And uh, everybody just give a warm welcome to Pastor Jerry as he comes up to bring the word. Amen. We're going to be having communion right after service today. And so we invite everybody who is born again to uh, go ahead and join, partake communion. Some churches you got to be a member of in order to do it. But here we just believe if you're a member of the body of Christ, we have open communion. So we invite everybody to partake of communion. Anytime an event that is that happens to us and it dramatically impacts us with, uh, with an impression that's lasting, it's, it's an everlasting impression, we are imprinted for good or bad. So, um, and communion is supposed to be just that. Because Jesus, or Paul said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of him and of his death. So this is why that we have got to remember the death of Jesus Christ because without a death, there could be no resurrection, there could be no burial. So, and he died for our sins according to Scripture, and he died and he rose again according to Scripture so that we would have justification. Amen? Now, everyone here has experienced a death of a loved one. Pastor Ronnie Webb has just experienced the death of his son, a death of a vision or dream, a death of a marriage either through divorce or perhaps just losing a partner, Maybe a loss of motivation or ambition or perhaps you've just lost a job and it's really impacted you in such a way that uh, it's left a lasting mark on your life. These these losses very often cause a person to experience some negative emotional feelings that many times lead to depression. And today we're going to be looking at a couple of guys that were depressed and uh, in Scripture there. And so these lasting impressions are called imprintings on people's life. Last week I was asked about how many people had birthmarks, and, and I was amazed that over half the congregation had birthmarks on their body. And again, uh, a negative imprint or a prolonged negative experience will imprint a person with trauma. And whenever Jesus appears many times in Scripture, he, sp- he, says, he says, peace, peace be unto you, or peace be to you, or peace to the mountain, to the waves uh, that, that are perhaps trying to get into the boat. But anyhow, the peace takes the trauma out of any negative experience so that you're not, you're not impacted in a negative manner. As a, a, a negative imprint that's called trauma, it's, we, we refer to it many times as a post-traumatic stress disorder. And this happens whenever the mind records all the sensory data that's associated with some event, as we'll see that, am I, uh, am, am I uh, too, uh, I think I may be too, sound like I'm in a barrel up here, what is, it, is it okay out there? Is it okay out there? Okay. <clears throat> Whenever there, the mind has been imprinted by something that's very negative, such as the crucifixion, I mean, whenever you see in your mind's eye the crucifixion, and that's what we celebrate today, the, the, the communion, we're celebrating the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, that we would have be sinless and sin-free, amen? So whenever the mind records, whenever there's something traumatic happens, the mind records sights and sounds and textures and smells and temperatures and, and flavors and colors and many other perceptive data that will go into making up this impression in your mind. And many times these negative emotions are reflected by anger. As you'll see here on these two on the road to Emmaus, you'll see that they were just a little short with Jesus. And the shame and guilt, sometimes fear and humiliation, pain and terror, 
are just really anguish and grief at some loss. And at some, this happens so many times that at some future event where the, the stimuli that first recorded that data in your life, there's a flashback and you relive the incident. And all of and people that's been shell-shocked in the war, anytime you hear a loud uh, a bomb go off or a, perhaps a firecracker even, you die for cover because you've been so conditioned to do that whenever something bad happens to you. Now, I, was, I talked about last week, no one really knows what causes, what causes birthmarks or imprinting of birthmarks. Some say that birthmarks occur when an expectant mother sees something strange or experiences a great deal of anxiety or fear, and it's called maternal imprinting. So they've been imprinted, and so that will affect their, their, their unborn baby, and they will come out having this particular imprint. As I said last week, my wife's got a teapot on her forehead. It's a really a cute little teapot. I think I've got a coffee pot on mine, so I don't think it may not be in my forehead, but it's in my heart. I love coffee. <clears throat> so um, oft, others think that birthmarks indicate the site of a traumatic emotional injury in the mother in the past, where the mother has been so uh, traumatized that it just puts an imprint in her line. But I, regardless of every Christian, regardless, every Christian is imprinted by the crucifixion as well as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you say amen to that? Every one of us. We, our lives changed. As a matter of fact, you cannot escape the resurrection. You can't even be saved without believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 10.10 10 says, this is the spiritual imprinting. Romans 10.10 10, 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, resurrection power, then you will be saved. So this is how we get imprinted by the power of resurrection. And Paul said, oh, that I may know Christ. How? In the power of his resurrection as well as in the fellowship of his suffering. So God wants us to know Jesus in every explicit way possible. Because, you know, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not me that's living. It's Christ who's living on the inside of me. And this is why we're crucified. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, what does it do? It'll quicken your body. It just quickens your mortal, mortal body. And so, again, um, I refer to this as salvation imprint. A trauma can leave its mark on people their entire lives, and hopefully salvation will do just that. Being imprinted by either a positive or a negative situation can affect your destiny, good or bad. Now let's look at these two that were just been traumatized by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This was Cleopas and his friend, and they lived in a little village called Emmaus. And we'll read, we'll read with uh, Luke 24, we'll start with verse 13. Now behold, two of them who were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things that happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained. Why is that? Because three days prior, they just saw the bloodiest mess they've ever seen of their their, their leader that they thought that was going to come and just restore the nation of Israel and destroy the Roman government. 
and overtake it. But they saw their leader, Jesus Christ, being crucified on a cross. And so their, their hopes were shattered. Their dreams were just absolutely broken to pieces. And so they were very traumatized by this. So their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And so he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and you are so depressed, so sad? Whenever we experience unfulfilled expectations, it can cause depression. So they were expecting Jesus, their Messiah, to overthrow the nation of uh, Rome and, and reinstitute the nation of Israel. But that did not happen. They saw their Messiah, they saw their leader being crucified. And they're saying, man, what is going on? So you could, from all probability, these two were impacted and imprinted. They made a real impression on them in the psychic of these two men. And so their tolerance level wasn't very high. So whenever Jesus said, well, what is this that you're talking about? Cleopas said, are you kidding me? Are you the only stranger in town? Do you not know what has happened? These last few days, and Jesus started, I love this. I love the way Jesus started fishing for information from their point of view. So Jesus asked, he says, what things are you speaking about? He was trying to get what happened from their point of view. So many times talking about situations, it'll, this is why counseling sometimes is good, because you begin to see what you're feeling and begin to, to, to uh, sense that maybe you're, you've got a, a misrepresentation of something. Then, then they said, well, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. What an impact. But we were hoping that it would be he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides all this, to make more things more confusing, this is the third day. And some women, verse 22, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. They were imprinted by not seeing a body in the tomb. And when they did not find his body, they came and they said, we have seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So you're moving all the way over from absolute crucifixion to now, three days later, all the way over to the ecstasy of him being resurrected and somebody telling you that he's alive. So the mood swings and the emotional swings were great there. So you, you can see why that these guys were a little confused. Their hopes had been dashed, but at the same time, it had also been inspired by Mary Magdalene and that they said that we had seen him and we saw the tomb was empty. So they expected something totally unexpected. Now keep in mind, the last time these two had seen Jesus, the last time they had seen him, he was hanging on a cross. He was dying. They thrust a spear into his side. They had a crown of thorns. Blood was everywhere. And without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there's no remission for sins. So thank God that, I mean, I just find this so amazing that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, And Jesus came down here. He came in the flesh. He was born of a virgin. He lived life. And then he went to Jerusalem because this was his calling. This was his purpose. And so he went to Jerusalem to be crucified. But he said, on the third day, you can destroy this temple, but on the third day, it's going to rise again. Amen? 
Now Luke 22, uh, 24 rather, 25, let me just read that. 25, um, then, he, then Jesus said to him, to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart, to believe in all the prophets had spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory. And the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he was talking to them about what they had experienced. And then he, they drew near the village where they were going, and seven miles, so it would probably, probably take a couple of hours to walk there. He would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he was sitting at the table with them, that he took bread, he blessed, and he broke it. So this is what we're doing today with communion. We're going to bless it, we're going to break it, and, we're, and, we, and Jesus is going to give it to us. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Now, how did they know him? I would, my guess is this. I don't know. It doesn't say. But my guess is whenever he was breaking the bread, they thought, saw the nail scars in his hands. This is what I think happened. But now, let's read on here. So they, they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. Now, Judas was dead, so, he's, so this was the eleven. And they say, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how it was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said, to, Peace be to you. I'm taking the trauma out of the crucifixion. Peace be to you. But they were terrified and frightened and suppose they had seen a spirit. Now, this is really interesting about Jesus' body whenever he, when he speaks about his very body. So just pay close attention to this. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. That is I myself. Handle me. Touch me. Just try it out. Try out me on you. And so he says, and behold, it is, handle me and see that a spirit, look at this, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Wow. He had a glorified body, but it was the exact rep- representation as he had when he was down here, only it was glorified. But he had the scars still in his hands and in his feet and in his side. And when he had said this to them, he showed, him his, uh, showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still not did not believe for joy, they didn't believe because there was a lot of joy. They marveled, and he said to them, have you any food here? And so they gave him a piece of uh, broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said, these are the words I spoke to you while I still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And remember, he found an also in Isaiah. He opened the book when he was in the temple, and he found the place where it was written concerning him. Now, I just, I've encouraged you many times, find the place where it is written concerning you. You know, the Bible says, lo, I am with you always. So I want you to know God is with you in every situation, even when you doubt. This past week, I was, I was burning some leaves down at the cabin, and 
And for, for joy, they didn't believe. But I'm just, they were, they were being afraid, and at the same time, they had the expectation, this is him. But we saw him die. But he rose again. And he's vacillating back and forth with these very... So I was burning some leaves down there, and I reached in there to, to get some leaves to, on the rake to, set up, to, to, to spread the fire. And all of a sudden, this snake struck at that and went right between my legs. And I did such a... I mean, I did the jitterbug for a long time because, I mean, my, my heart was palpitating, but I, I was fearful, but at the same time, I was joyful that the thing didn't get a hold of me. And I didn't know whether to, I was trying to use the rake to, to, to rake it out, but he just, I mean, he just zoomed right out there. <clears throat> and um, so I, I was joyful that I was not, I was not, I was not, not joyful because I was fearful because I was fearful. For a, I mean, just panic set in. Anybody ever had that? I think everybody has. If you've seen a snake, you know, your panic sets in. One time Jason, I think, and his cousin Ben, they were, uh, J- Jason said, Ben, there's a, there's a snake. Be still, a snake right there. So there's a snake in the water, and Ben was in the boat. So Jason shoots and blows the snake into the boat. <laughs> Talk about panic. I mean, this really it can really cause that. But you know, Jesus, uh, these two, these two on the road to Emmaus, they weren't the only ones who didn't recognize him. You remember Mary Magdalene? She was the first one at the tomb. And in John chapter twenty, verses eleven through sixteen. The first of all the people made known the declaration, hey, the tomb is empty. She was the first evangelist. He's alive. And she lived in a little fishing village called Magdala. That's why she's called Mary of Magdala. Jesus, by the way, cast out seven demons out of her. And she was such a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So she bought even spices to anoint the body of Jesus. And when they said to her, now Mary stood outside the tomb weeping as she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. He looked just like he did before he went on the cross. But she could not perceive it in her mind because she saw him hanging on a tree. She saw him crucified. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, She recognized that voice. She had known that voice many times whenever he said, cast out the devil, seven demons that were in her body. She recognized that voice of Jesus. But sometimes trauma can so cloud your mind that it confuses where you're you're going and what you're doing. One could say she was traumatized by the horrific death of Jesus on the cross. Hours he was hanging on the cross gasping for breath, trying to raise himself up by pushing down on the, on, the, on the nails that were in his feet just so he could get a deep breath. So he was gasping for breath. I want to turn our attention just for a few minutes to, to some other positive things that happened on Resurrection Sunday. 
In Matthew 27, 46 through 53, this was Matthew's account. It says about the ninth hour, and whenever Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, my God, my God, why have you, this is his feelings about God the Father. Why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine the trauma that he was going through? And he bore in his body on the tree all our sins. Man, isn't that wonderful? That's why the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is so important. But look at this. And when they heard this, they thought he was calling for Elijah. And immediately, verse 48, immediately one of them ran and he took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He died. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and the coming out of the graves after his resurrection. So the dead came out because Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. So this is why that after he rose again, many of the people who had died in Christ, or not died in Christ, believed in God, they were brought out of the tombs. Can you imagine, can you imagine some of those conversations? Billy, I thought you died five years ago. And here you're back alive. Mary, what are you doing here? So this is some of the benefits of the resurrection. They were impacted they had an impression and they were imprinted. Now, notice this. This is another, 1 Corinthians 15, 4 through 9. Uh, this is 60 years after the resurrection. And it says that 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to Scripture. He was seen, verse 5, by Mary and Peter and the 12, verse 6, and he was seen at over 500 at once. And some have died, but the greater part of those people remain. So Jesus, he had indelible proof that he, he was seen by all these people. And the two on the road to Emmaus did not recognize him until the breaking of bread. And Mary thought perhaps it was the tone of his voice that she recognized him that brought back good memories of deliverance, of acceptance, of devotion. Now, let's make a couple of applications. Even now, he's here. He's here. But because of some of our past traumatic events in our lives, could there exist a possibility that Jesus is extremely close to us, so close that we could touch him And we didn't recognize him. We don't recognize him. Or we can't perceive his presence because we didn't discern the hour of his visitation. He's here today to visit you. And my prayer today is that the eyes of your understanding would be open to see that there is no trauma in your life, past, present, or future, that is going to anymore affect your life in such a traumatic way. In a dramatic way. Because Jesus is saying peace to you. You know, I didn't read the rest of that, but whenever Jesus appeared to the, whenever he appeared to the 11 and the two of them was on the road to Emmaus, that would be the, about 13, right? I think it would be. Higher math, it's hard for me to get right now, but uh, at the same time, when he appeared, he said, peace, peace be to you guys. Every time, whether it was appearing to the 11, 
He said, peace be you. So this is why God is saying, peace be to you today. And you said, but pastor, you don't know what situation. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. The peace of God is right now. I'm speaking right now the peace of God. It's, it's, a, it's not only shalom, but it's also irene, that peace of God that comes from him. I'm speaking that to you and your family so that you're not going to be traumatized by these events. But sometimes it's hard to perceive and recognize, not because he's deliberately trying to disguise himself. He's not trying to do that. He's wanting you to see him. And as we take communion today, I trust that you will. You say, well, Pastor, I've, what if I've got sin in my life? Then repent of it before you take it. I mean, this is, and by the way, this is what communion is all about, to remind us that Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture, and he rose again for our justification according to Scripture. So you're justified just as if you had never sinned. But sometimes you can't recognize him in this communion because, in the communion because of your own lack or limitations, your own faulty perceptions or self-awareness and your hurts and your traumas of the past. Turn it loose. And as you take communion today, I pray that right now, you would right now receive that peace that comes through this. Musicians, if you come back and let's just, let's get ready to take communion. Go ahead and pass out these elements. Where's Harold? There we go. Thought the resurrection had occurred, Harold. I got a question for you. Was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ good or bad? Don't, don't, don't answer it. Just in your mind. And it really, let me just say again, it depends on your perspective. Because as Jesus was agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, was, he said, Father, if it's possible, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. I'd like to find another way. And I preached one time that, which I preached wrongly, that it was the only prayer that God didn't answer. The Father didn't answer. But because he went on with that, nevertheless, not my will. But I don't want to go through the agony and the trauma of this crucifixion, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So it depends on you. I'm sure that nobody likes to be crucified, right? So from Jesus' point of view, yeah, it was bad for him, but it ultimately turned out good for us, didn't it? Because we have now the forgiveness of all of our sins, listen carefully, past, present, and future. This is why Jesus, now let me ask you this too, the resurrection, we all know that the resurrection was good. We all know that the res- many people were raised that very same day that Jesus was, right after that many of them walked the streets of Jerusalem. And 500 people saw him, and he, he appeared to fi- over 500 people at once. So we know the resurrection is good. And so this, thank God he's alive today. He lives forevermore. And, you know, and he said not only that, he said, but he who believes in me will never die. 
You go, Pastor, I, I thought some people have died. Folks, you just get a change of address. You still have the same, you'll have a glorified body, but you're having a change of address. So as we're getting ready now to, let's just right now, Harold, would you sing, would you singers sing this right now about, um, about the death and the crucifixion and the bear and the resurrection of Jesus? Cause he became sin Who knew no sin That we might become His righteousness He humbled himself And carried the cross Love so amazing on the same night that he was betrayed took bread this is called the last supper communion eucharist he says he, he was they took and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me jacob would you come up here i want you to pray over this body we're about to partake of. So folks, this body became sin. It became, and again, we have this 
this this particular cracker. It's got it's got holes in it and it's got stripes on it because it represents the body of Christ. So I want us to recognize as we're partaking this, he became sin, he became sickness, so that you can have freedom from all diseases, poverty, and sin. This is what he wants you to recognize as we eat of this body today. Let there be a recognition that Jesus Christ is in this symbolically. This that we're, And again, I don't want to say symbolically because I think there's something very, very powerful and more, more dynamic than just being symbolized of this body being broken for us. The Catholics even, they call it transubstantiation. In other words, when you eat this, it becomes the body of Christ for you. I don't know about it. I don't know, but I just know that it's something that's more, far more than just tradition and, and, and a, an example of his body. Jake. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for answering the call. Thank you for your body. We receive it. We receive our healing. We receive the forgiveness of sin. We, we just appreciate what you did for us. Laying down your life for us. Showing us what love is. Following through even when, even when you asked that it might pass. And you wouldn't have to do it. But nevertheless you did it anyway. We thank you so much. And we appreciate you. In Jesus name. Shall we all eat of the bread. And let there be a recognition of Jesus Christ. As it was with the two on the road to Emmaus. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often, now look at this, for as often as you eat this the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim, you proclaim, and I proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he says to his disciples, we're not going to do this anymore until we get into the kingdom of heaven. He's not, Jesus is taking it with us in the kingdom of heaven. So right now, Curtis, would you come right now and just ask the blessing over this cup that we're about to drink of? Lord, we thank you for the blood that you shed for us. Thank you that it washes over us white as snow. Thank you that it brings remission of our sins, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for your healing power that's in the blood. There is power in your blood. Lord, we receive that power in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for this blood. We give you praise. We give you glory for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we all stand and then we'll drink the cup. For as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, whatever you have need of, this is the peace of God that he, was, he would become so horribly treated on the cross of Calvary so that you and I might have wholesomeness, might have peace, where there's, not, might have that, where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking in your life. Believe right now that this is what's going to take place to your life as we drink the cup together. And oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus.
bless each and every one. Lord, I bless them with the imprint of their crucifixion. Lord, I bless them with the imprint of their resurrection. Lord, the imprint of the crucifixion that you died for us and the imprint of the, the authority and the power of the resurrection that that power is due to us. And we just thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we just pray right now, I pray, I'll just bless them that every negative imprint will be turned over to the power of God, and it will be used for your good and for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we love you and we honor you today. We thank you for the service. We thank you for your presence. We give you all praise and we give you all glory. If you're in agreement with that, would you just say this morning one more time a big, he is exalted. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.